is that fasting for one day, a 24-hour period of food, um, and really contemplating and focusing on the verse um, this week. So, if you can, pick out a week, or a day, a week, yeesh. We have really set the bar up a day, a 24-hour period um, where you don't eat anything and you just really contemplate on the Word of God, um, and this week, how much we are loved. Amen? All right, would you stand up with me? Lord, we thank you that you have done all the heavy lifting. Lord, we thank you that all we have to do is respond to your grace, respond to your love. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us this morning. Let us not only feel your presence, but be transformed by being in your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame And they were like prisons that we couldn't escape But he came and he died and he rolled Those walls are rubble now Remember those giants we called death and grave and they were like mountains that stood in a way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now. And this is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. And this is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He bore the cross. Remember that fear that took our breath away A faith so weak that we could barely pray But he heard every word, every whisper And now those altars in the wilderness They tell a story
Are you grateful that you can run to the Father? Come on. Uh, kids, we're going to dismiss you guys now. Teens, you guys are going to hang out with us this morning. Adults, you're also going to hang out with us this morning. Um, you can be seated. Ever so quickly, so that my boss doesn't yell at me, um, there are ways to give at our church, tithes and offerings. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, and there they are. Mailbox, giving box, and the Church Center app. Um, if you have any questions about that stuff, uh, when you leave, uh, take a left. There will either be Joey or Kendrick there, and they will teach you the way, okay? Uh, the way to give into the kingdom of God, to resource um, the church that our entire purpose is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, Pastor has preached on Isaiah 5 for two weeks now, and he took the really cool parts, the, the flowery parts about vineyards and all that jazz, and then he was like, I'm going to leave, um, and I want you to preach the six woes. And I was like, come on, man. I'm the happy pastor. I tell the jokes. Uh, he's like, no. And actually, if you could tell zero stories, just six bullet points, this is your message, just read this script and you'll be fine. Uh, so we're not going to do that uh, because I'm terrible at following directions. But if you would, open up your Bibles to Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 22. And if you don't have an actual analog uh, Bible that if you put it in your backpack, it gets crumpled up and uh, that sort of thing. If you want one, and I know that I feel like I sound like a broken record, but you can go out these doors and take a left and Joey or Kendrick will hand you a Bible. Um, we've got a couple different uh, styles. If you want an actual Bible, we would love for you to have one. Um, all right. So Proverbs 22 Verse three says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. That is the general idea of prudence is that you are taking a step back and you're looking a little bit longer in time, right? It might seem like a great idea right now, but tomorrow might be a different story. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Uh, I know uh, there's some comedians and they said, you know, if, if, if it's not going to be fun in the morning, it's not going to be fun. Okay. Anybody with me? Anybody kind of know exactly kind of what I'm hinting at here? Okay. Um, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton... Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Come on. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. One of my um, favorite quotes from The Office is Dwight Schrute. And he says, before I make a decision, I ask myself, would a stupid person do this thing? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, I do not do that thing. Anybody? Anybody remember that quote after you've done a stupid thing? Okay? Hindsight is in 2020, right? Um, 
The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Um, I volunteer out at the uh, Warrington Soccer Complex. Has anybody driven out on Ridge Road in Warrington before and seen um, those fields? So I volunteer out there and as things happen when you live in the wetlands, things settle, right? And so one of the fields is really messed up and we're in the process of uh, Re-leveling it, you know, making it flat so that you know people don't fall and trip as they're running towards the beautiful game of soccer and scoring. Right? Um, that was your chance to say amen. amen. The beautiful game of soccer. We can't be friends. I'm kidding. We can. All right. It's going to be okay. But so we're out there, and we've got we've got. All kinds of machines. We've got tractors. We've got huge, you know, pieces of machines attached to the tractors. Um, and on this particular day, we have signs. We have cones. We have yellow signs. We have white signs. We have signs that are printed. We have signs that are scrawled in black marker. Do not come on the field. Danger. Danger. This field is not for you. If you can read this, don't come on the field at every point where you can enter the field, okay? On this particular morning, I'm in a tractor, okay? I am moving huge pieces of chunks of dirt, and there is a dump trailer with a trailer. Has anybody seen a truck and pot before? Okay? It's like, oh, these are serious people, right? Check. Hello, there it is. The sound gods have blessed us again. All right. And has anybody driven equipment around before? It's loud, right? You have to be super hyper aware of what you're doing because you could hurt someone. And I'm out there, and the guy is backing up the, the trailer. He's dumping yards and yards and yards and yards of beautiful black dirt, okay? And I'm out there, and I see this guy strolling with a Frisbee, with headphones over his ears, just blows right past all the signs. And so I'm on the tractor, and I, I go... Nothing. And so I, I go, so then I resorted to my father's technique of getting a hold of any sort of child that is just blowing past all of the signs. Hey! And the guy... Yes, you! You can't be on the fields. This field? I can't be on this field. I'm losing my salvation at this point. You don't have any high vis on, buddy, okay? There's signs everywhere. Don't come out here. There's tractors, there's dump trucks. We, and he goes, I'm just walking through. And I thought, you're an idiot. You 
are a simpleton. I go, there are three other fields that you could be on. And he goes, I, I'm just going to walk through. I'm like, okay, we're ripping the field up. You can't be out here. It's dangerous. Does this make sense to you guys? Why I was thinking unholy thoughts? Okay, good. Now we've painted a picture. Now let's go to the beautiful Isaiah 5, okay? Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5 in verse 1 says, Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. This is God is telling Isaiah, and Isaiah is singing God's song to his people. Verse 2, he plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Has anybody bought an orange and you thought you bought good oranges? And it was dry, right? Or it was Land, or you picked and thumped and sorted through the watermelons and you thought for sure you had broken the code on how to find a good watermelon. Who knows how to find a good watermelon? Raise your hands. Okay. God bless you. Fourth of July is coming. You've got the perfect watermelon. You cut the watermelon up. You hand it to people and people are like, mmm, good. It's hydrating, right? At the very least, watermelon is hydrating. But sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're great, and sometimes it kind of feels like sparkling water, right? Like there's some flavor there, but it's mostly just hydration. God says, I did my very best. I put my best foot forward. I cleared all the rocks. I got all the obstacles out of the way. I put a watchtower to make sure that it was protected. I did everything. I picked the very best vines. I planted them in the best soil. And they were duds. It was bitter. If you want to flip to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Come on. Those are the best gifts, the ones that you don't pay for. Right? Anybody? Like Mother's Day, you're like, okay, I know that I'm paying for that. <laughs> Father's Day, don't, don't, don't spend my money for me, okay? I can do that myself. Right? God saved you by his grace, not your grace, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This song in Isaiah is a song of a God that loves you. 
a God that loves you, a God that is obsessed with you, a God that conspired across time to be with you, to be with me. He put his best foot forward. He didn't buy the cheap stuff. He bought the very best stuff. And Isaiah 5 says, in this moment in time, it did not pan out. It was supposed to be this great thing, and it's bitter. We're going to skip down, because uh, Pastor already went over all this stuff. We're going to skip down to verse 7, because I just want to kind of summarize. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. He expected justice, but he found oppression. He expected righteousness, but what did he find? Violence. My dad and I were talking one time, and he just pointed out that God did not wipe the face of the earth because people were perverts. God did not wipe the face of the earth with the flood because people were being immorally sexual. It's because they were being violent. It actually says that God looked down and he saw their violence and he says, I cannot put up with that. Violence actually ranks a little bit higher than some of our social taboos. The things that we say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't say the S word in church, but we can definitely talk about all kinds of violence. God expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. God expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. And Pastor Andy thought it would be a good idea for me to preach this message. (laughs) So, there are six woes that follow this, and they are specific reasons why God is displeased. They are specific examples, the things that God's people, God's children, who have the opportunity to be called children of God, not through any of their good works, but because God gave us grace. Specific things that you and I and all of God's children are doing that God is not pleased with. All right? You guys ready to get into some super exciting woes? See my, my, see how my story at the beginning, right? This is God yelling. There's six different, if you have a New King James or an ESV, it'll say woe. If you have an NLT like me, it'll say what sorrow, Okay. But it is someone yelling out, trying to get someone who is blowing past all of the precautions to get their attention and say, hey, this is a bad idea. Has anybody been in the midst of a wise person and that wise person was minding their own business? And you were telling them about the thing or somebody was telling them about the thing that they were going to do and they look up from their newspaper or they look up from the television and they say, I wouldn't do that if I was you. That's not a good idea. Better mind your own business. 
I'd stay out of that if I was you. All right? That is what God is saying in these six woes. And a little bit of Angelo on a tractor screaming at a dude walking past the signs. Okay? Just full picture here. All right. Verse 8. Isaiah 5, verse 8. Whoa! Hey! What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. Insert housing crisis. Anybody? What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's army swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be empty. Ten acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. It upsets God when people in power make it difficult for other people to live. It upsets God when people put profits and they start piling up house after house. And it would be one thing if they were just piling up money, but instead they're actually taking away other people's ability to live. I can't tell you how many times I have heard the statement, People, young people cannot live here. The price of housing goes up and only certain people can pay for them, right? And good, honest, hardworking people can't live in the land. Hey! If you are a person of means and you are piling it on and piling it on and piling it on and you're not considering the humans that you are impacting, God is upset and God is yelling at you, hey, what sorrow there is for you. Verse 11 Woe number two, what sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol. Do I even need to explain this one? What sorrow for those. Hey! What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties. Turn on the summer jams and let's get turnt. This is a phrase I heard just the other day. <laughs> I think it like turn up the music. I don't know. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties. Lyre and harp. 
iTunes and Pandora. Spotify, all right, and your Bluetooth speaker. That's not in there. Tambourine and flute is in there. So if you're throwing parties with a flute, <laughs> puh. God is not pleased. <laughs> but... <laughs> And honestly, I think we're all safe, okay? But the idea is still there, all right? But they never think about the Lord or notice what he is doing. There is the idea of sobriety. There is the idea that you are in your regular state of mind, that you are not sedated, you are not hopped up, you are not excited by some substance. You are sober-minded. That you can see what is going on and you can particularly see what God is doing. He says this, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he is doing. So many people will go into exile far away because they don't know me. Those who are great and honored will starve and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its wide mouth. Does anybody have dogs here? Anybody? And, and you may be like a little bit late on feeding them, right? And it is just like, <laughs> please just let me eat, right? Do you, does anybody have dogs that inhale their food? You're like, oh my, like you're going to, gosh, that is not how you stay regular. Like, <laughs> slow down. Isaiah says that the grave is just like that. It is licking its lips. It is thinking, yes, this idiot is coming my way. Is that not what the Bible is saying? The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and the lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up. Humanity will be destroyed. All people brought down. Even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of heaven's armies will be exalted by his justice. The holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness. In that day, lambs will find good pastures and fattened sheep and young goats will feed among the ruins. You guys ready for woe number three? You guys having a great time? All right, verse 18. Hey! What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. Has anybody ever seen, and you, you have like a, a, a kid, usually it's a little toddler, right? They can't walk in a straight line, okay? And, and they stumble and they have this blanket that is disgusting. It is absolutely germ-infested, okay? It is what caused COVID-19. <laughs> or some animal that has no more filling in it. It's just the skin of some poor puppy, right? And it is their treasure. It is their absolute absolute treasure 
And everyone's like, hey, you hold on to that, but don't come near me with it, right? Anybody remember when your kid would like take that disgusting thing? Oh, Teddy wants to give you a kiss. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And we grow up and we get rid of our disgusting blanket and we get rid of our disgusting teddy bear, but then we pick up different behaviors. We pick up different things that God calls evil and we say, ah, look how great it is. Look at this. Look at my comfort. Look at the thing that, you know, keeps me warm at night. And God looks down and he says, you're, you're sleeping in filth. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. Has anybody seen? And I, and I want to be very clear, I'm not picking on people that do not have houses. But there, are, there is a general demographic of people that push around carts. And those carts have other people's refuse. Those carts have things that other people have left on the side of the road. Those carts are full of things and they will walk like this is their pride and joy. This cart is full of my treasures. No, no. Those are not treasures. And you and I have these. And we pull it behind ourselves and we say, look, look how wonderful my life is. Look at my comforts. Look at the things that I treasure. They drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan for we want to know what it is. Well, number four, verse 20, and I'm not going to yell at you guys because I think you guys got it. Yeah? Okay. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. That's nonsense. That's foolishness. But depending on who we listen to, we can get ourselves turned around. Depending on how often we listen to them, we can get ourselves turned around and say, ah, that's, that's great. This is good for me. This is good for me. I use myself as an example. Coffee is not good for you. Okay? But it is my sustenance in the morning. That's wrong. Coffee dehydrates me. I am constantly dehydrated. But I think that it is good for me. And the church is so quiet right now. <laughs> what if we talk about other things? You guys don't want to talk about the other things. Okay. People who call evil good and good evil. Well, what's the standard? It's okay because the person, the people that I officiated their wedding this weekend 
don't watch these videos, so it's fine. I hate weddings. I hate officiating weddings. They're the worst part of my job. I would rather do a funeral. Do you want to know why? Look away. Look away. If you see her, your marriage is doomed. What? Have you guys ever, anybody? The groom may not see the bride. Come on, raise your hand if you've heard this myth. That's complete nonsense. Where is that written? Where is that written? Where is it written? It's not in here. I have searched and searched, and it is okay for me to have a bad attitude about it. <laughs> there are expectations, and weddings, again, are the worst, okay, because of this. There are social norms. There are things that our society has normalized and said, this is okay, and that is not. Going seven miles over the speed limit is okay. It's five. She said it's five. <laughs> I'm an American, therefore it is okay for me to say that I hate my president and to say all kinds of nasty, terrible, awful things about people in authority because it is my right, because I am an American. And sometimes we value the Constitution over God's word that says, be humble, submit to all earthly authority so that the world full of people who do not know God can see you and say, wow, wow, look how holy they are. Paul says, do this so that People will say that you are blameless. These people are even nice to people who are stupid. <laughs> They're nice to people that they vehemently disagree with. Because God poured grace on them. And now they have grace to pour onto other people. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Let's, let's use this as our, our measuring stick of what is right and what is evil, what is light and what is dark. Oh, man. No, we'll just keep going. Verse 22. No, verse 21. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Quick question. Are you a clever person? If you said yes. Hey! Stop it. Don't do that. If you are clever in your own eyes, if you have done something and you can't wait to tell somebody how incredibly, you know, strategic you were or, oh, I got them good or, oh, man. Does anybody have, you know, maybe arguments with other people and you've never been accused of being an overly fast thinker? 
and three, four, five months later, you've come up with just the most amazing comeback. Okay? And that one time where you were so clever and you, ah, God says, no, 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 don't do that. That's not good. That's what a simpleton does. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. I had the opportunity to spend some time with a young person this weekend, um, and they are, you know, asking questions. We're headed to a wedding. Love is in the air, okay? And they're like, ah, you know, well, I can't just tell you exactly, but they were, they had questions about when someone should get married, right? Okay. Uh, Who thinks that people should be over 21 before they get married? I appreciate that honesty about the five miles over the speed limit thing. Um, Who, I mean, there are, all of us have different things that usually people are like, well, that's not a good idea to get married before da-da-da-da-da, right? And And I said, their particular situation, their parents had some concerns and they were like, ah, you know, it's just dumb. My parents, ugh. Has anybody ever thought that about your parents? If your parents are here, do not. <laughs> Raise your hands. If you've moved far away, uh, far enough away from your parents to them not being in here, that's awesome. I appreciate the honesty. And I got... <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. And I just, I I had the opportunity to say from Proverbs that there is safety in a multitude of counsel. Go to Pastor Mark and ask Pastor Mark when you should get married. (laughs) We're not there just yet. And Pastor Mark is going to share his wisdom. And then go to Lindsay. Lindsay, when should I get married? Pat, when should I get married? Kaylee, when should I get married? Nick, yes, Nick. When do you think, when is a good time for somebody to get married? And this is how I know when people are clever in their own eyes, when I give that advice and they don't do it. Because they know better. They know better. If you are clever in your own eyes, if you think that you are wise in your own eyes, if you don't go and ask people before you make huge life decisions, <laughs> verse 22, and this is the last one. We're going to get super dark after this one, and then it's going to get happy, okay? Okay. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. Can you hold your liquor? If you are a lightweight, you're on the right team. It's the same today as it was thousands of years ago. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take, they take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. 
I don't want to say that there is anything in terms of morality about putting alcohol in your body, but it does make people do stupid things. I was listening to one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan. Uh, He's a Catholic. Don't hold it against him. And he was talking about shots. When you go to a bar and, you know, people buy rounds of shots. And he says, shots are just a a way to do stupid things sooner. (laughs) And he brings up this really valid point. He says, nobody ever took a round of shots and did something they're proud of. How many people are taking shots and then they go out and they build low-income housing? No one. They take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. God cares about people. I am not overly convinced that God cares about the molecules in the beverages that you drink, but God does care about people. God cares about how you treat people. God cares about how you treat each other. God cares how you treat the people that you sleep next to. God cares about the people that you eat breakfast with and the people that you greet in the morning at work. And the people that you interact with at work, God cares about those people. Remember, this whole song is because God thought he was going to get some justice, but instead he got oppression. God thought he was going to get some sweet, full of joy, excited. Has anybody ever met that ray of sunshine that is so annoying? (laughs) I've started sending that little sun emoji just to be a jerk. This is who I want to be. I want to be full of joy. This is a prophetic text, okay? That's who God sent his son for, for us to be those kind of people. God sent his son so that we could be like his son, full of joy, full of justice, full of care for one another. So there's these six woes. And then it says in verse 24, therefore, and it's going to get real dark and it's going to get real bleak. And it's, I hope that I do this correctly so that you are just a little bit scared. Because you should be. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and grass, dry grass, shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fist to crush them. The mountains tremble, the corpses of his people litter the streets like garbage, but even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised 
to strike. Have you ever seen someone in a fist fight and it is clearly over and one person, the victor, is still ready to pummel someone? The fight is over and the victor is still pummeling his opponent. Have you ever been around a verbal argument and someone has clearly lost, their tail is between their legs, their ears are back, and someone is continuing to berate and destroy the other person? I just read this book, and it was the most depressing book I've ever read. It's 17 chapters of this hard-hitting, undisputable facts and I was like, gosh, after two, you win, you're po- you win. Let's just do it your way. It says, but even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to distant nations far away and whistle to those at the ends of the earth. They will come tracing. They will come racing, not meandering, Not skipping, hell on wheels, pedal to the metal, racing toward Jerusalem. They will not get tired or stumble. They will not stop for rest or sleep. Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows will be sharp, their bows ready for battle. Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves. And the wheels of their chariots will spin like a whirlwind. There will be so much smoke from them burning out at 60 miles an hour, racing to destroy God's people. They will roar like lions, like the strongest of lions, growling. They will pounce on their victims and carry them off, and no one will be there to rescue them. They will roar over their victims on that day of destruction, like the roaring of the sea. If someone looks across the land, only darkness and distress will be seen. Even the light will be darkened by clouds." Brutal, absolute annihilation. That's what God promises. So it's no wonder that God is screaming, Hey! Don't do this! Stop! Anybody! Somebody! Stop! And you might think that this is an exaggeration. This is hyperbole. That this is over the top. That this is inappropriate. But I dare you, I dare you to read 1 and 2 Chronicles. I dare you to read 1 and 2 Kings and listen and read what God's children were doing to each other. It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking what they were doing to their children, what they were doing to each other. There is a, there's a, a scene in First 
Kings, where it says the king just went out and started killing people for no reason. It said that Jerusalem was filled with blood from one end to the other. Blood, human blood. God cares about people. God cares about you. God cares about me. And if there is one thing that God does not stand for, it is violence towards each other. All of these things lead to oppression. All of these things lead to hurt people. All of these things lead people to desperation. And while we might think, hey, whoa, 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 like it's okay, it's not that bad. Just because we have been normalized to accept poor behavior does not mean that it is good for us. Just because we have become familiar with oppression does not mean that it is God's will for us. Just because we can is not a good reason for us to do it. I read a quote this week that said that if you find yourself defending those in power and not those who are oppressed, you're on the wrong side of the gospel. Because the gospel was for people who were hurting. The gospel was for people who are broken. The gospel is for people who want to become like God. And nowhere in the scripture does God just go out and blindly kill people for no reason. God wants life. God created life in Genesis. God dealt with the death in Genesis and God went through all of the Old Testament and then in the New Testament provided a way where there was no way. God's ultimate righteousness demands this kind of response. And instead of pouring it out on you, instead of pouring it out on me, he poured it out on his son. And he didn't waver and he didn't hold back. He went so far that Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God's answer is because of them, because of us. That's why God did it. Now, you can thank Pastor Andy for this. There is, there is a way. There is a way not to be the guy that walks past the caution signs. There is a way not to be the woman that is a simpleton that just blows past all the precautions. There is a way. Instead of, whoa, we could say, oh, Oh, has anybody ever been so close to doing something dumb and you thought, oh, I'll walk around the field that's under construction. <laughs> Light bulb moment. Oh, Isaiah 5 is littered with, oh, particularly right here 
in verse 24. It says, For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Oh, well, do the opposite of that. Right? Does anybody like riddles? Right? And you just cannot get the riddle for the life of you. And then your four-year-old tells you the answer to the riddle, and you're like, oh, that, that, that's so simple. And again, if you want to really get into the nitty-gritty in the context of this, read First and Second Chronicles. Read First and Second Kings. It continually says, and they despise the word of God. It says, they knew the law that was passed down through Moses, and they rejected it. We're offering free ones out those doors and to the left. This is not a mystery. Life is an open book test. For they have rejected the law of God of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of God. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Um, One more. Oh, if you just go over to... (laughs) Isaiah 5, verse 13. So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. If you want to read the Bible so that you can impress your grandmother, good for you. If you want to read the Bible because you want to win arguments with people and find the fine print somewhere that says that one time, um, whatever, knock yourself out, okay? But the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of the word of God, the purpose of God's law is so that we can know him. The purpose behind why we tell our children to clean up before people come over is not because we are jerk faces. Despite what our children say. It's because we want people to come into our home and to feel loved. We want people to come into our home and to feel welcome and to feel calm. Has anybody walked into your own home and it was a complete mess and you were like, just burn it. (laughs) We'll get another one. (laughs) Has anybody ever got that basket of one sock all unmatched and you just thought it'll be easier to go buy another 12 pack? God gives us his law so that we can know him, so that we can know his heart. Well, but it says da 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 Right, sure, absolutely. But you could be acting like my children. You could be taking my words and misconstruing it. The idea is what does God want? Who is God? What makes God happy? The people of Israel off and on and off and on had kings who wanted to know God and kings who didn't care. They had kings who wanted to know God and they had kings that didn't care. And God's children are the ones who bore the brunt of the consequences. Krista, you want to come on up? The simple answer to the riddle, the simple O is to know God to want to know God, to have a certain situation, to look to God's word and say, what does God want? Who is God in this situation? 
What does God value in this situation? Because I want to know him. Amen? We're going to sing a song called Run to the Father. Right? That's what we're doing? We are doing that thing. Love it when a good plan comes together. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Cross your fingers. Lord, it is so, so, so easy to get distracted with the busyness of life, with our hurts, with our habits, with our hangups. Lord, not just these woes, but the different things that turn our eyes away from you. So, Father, I ask this morning, Jesus, we ask, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would put grace in our heart and turn our hearts and soften our hearts. God, plant a vineyard in our hearts that wants to be a sweet, sweet smell to you. God, that when you look at us, that we would bring you joy. God, that we would want to know you. Lord, and that we would trust your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this time in your house this morning where we get to hear your word and worship your name. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for the people of God. We just pray that we have a blessed week. Keep us safe, Lord. And most of all, help us keep our eyes on you. We love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.